Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, the website Rose Garden Report has you covered for all things Trailblazers. Sean Hyken, who's covered the NBA and the Blazers for years, is the editor and publisher of Rose Garden Report. You should give it a look. I subscribe. You should as well. Hyken joining us now. Kind enough to join us. It is a frantic draft week. I imagine you have multiple screens in front of you. You're working the phones all day, Hyken. Uh, what's the scene right now as you cover this team? Dude, this week and the week leading up to the trade deadline are my two least favorite weeks of the year just because there's so much stuff that you have to sift through. Like, you hear so much stuff. They have so much stuff coming at you from all directions. I, you know, I'll, I'll, yesterday, just to give you a little, just an example from my life, yesterday morning I woke up and I got a text from my dad saying that he heard about a Blazers rumor that he wanted to know, like, if it was anything I heard anything about. It. And he sent it to me. And it was not any actual reporting. It was just some fake trade that somebody made up that then got aggregated and somehow yep. ended up on his Facebook news feed. So you just yep. kind of you just kind of get hit with so much stuff and you have to, you know, be able to sort through what's real and what's not and figure out how to, you know, react to what needs to be reacted to and ignore the stuff that doesn't need to be reacted to. Yeah. And so how do you discern that? Like, you know, I, I always, I told people last week, there's going to be smoke and smoke and smoke in the lead up to the draft, but Hiken, how do you know what to really pay attention to and what not to pay attention to? Whenever something gets reported, you have to think about why did this get out? Who does it benefit that this got out? You know, what what would be the purpose of somebody wanting this to get out? Like, and then you have to think, you know, you know, you, you're kind of you're kind of seeing it from all directions, and uh, you know, you know, you, you'll see, you know, certain reports that like, uh, you know, that, that like these this team has, you know, there's absolutely no chance this guy is available, and then other you know, reports saying there's no chance this guy, like usually, usually the truth is somewhere in the middle on a lot of this stuff. I mean, there's some stuff that, you know, is pretty rock solid, but it's just, you have, you have to, as a consumer, which even though I'm in it and I'm, you know, part of it, I still am a consumer. You still have to be able to, I mean, this is not just true in sports. This is also true and especially even more important in like the political world and the news world and, you know, whatever else. But when something gets reported, you have to be able to discern, okay, why is this out there and who wants this out there? and then kind of go from there. All right, let's go to Chris Haynes then right out of the gate. We all know he's in Camp Lillard. He's tight with Dame. He's close with Aaron Goodwin, Damian's agent. I want to play something for you and our listeners. I believe the Miami Heat feel like there's hope. Like there's people across the league that believe this is the offseason that Dame could potentially request out. And that's all going to be dependent on, well, I think a large factor of that is going to be what the Portland Trailblazers decide to do with the number three pick. All right, so Haynes pointing out Miami. I, I read that, Sean, as Aaron Goodwin wants that out there. I think part of it is maybe that, and the other part of it, I, I maybe Miami also feels like they, you know, that they that they feel like they have a shot, whether that's true or not, if, that were, if it were to come to that, I don't know, but, I, you know, I... I believe that the Heat feel like they would have a shot if it were to come to that. But I mean, the truth the truth is, I you know, I, nobody's really breaking any news here. Dame has made it very clear that he's not really interested in 
more kids. Like he wants a veteran team, and you know, the, the, you know, he wants a team that's going to be able to contend. And you know, the the position that Joe Cronin is in right now is he has an opportunity to draft either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, who are two prospects that most people think would go number one overall in those drafts that don't have Victor Wembanyama in them. So it's a pretty valuable pick, especially with the new CBA where, you know, there's that second apron, the new luxury tax structure that kicks in. So having somebody who, especially as as high as a third pick, who could be a potential star on a cost-controlled contract makes it a lot easier to fill out the rest of the roster. So lottery picks like that have never been more valuable than they are right now. And so as a result of that, Joe Cronin can't really afford to just like make a bad deal and, you know, give away this pick just for any veteran that's going to, you know, be a short-term fix, but you know, maybe is going to set the franchise back in the long term. But then if you use the pick and don't trade it, even if genuinely the, you tried to get, you know, somebody that Dane would consider a needle mover and there was just no deal out there, then are you going to be able to go back to Dame and say, hey, look, we tried, but you're going to have to, you know, if you, you know, you, you say you want to stay here, you're going to have to rock with us if you, you know, with this pick. And, you know, we'll try to get veterans other ways. I think Joe feels like there is other ways, you know, there are other ways, like maybe you trade Anthony Simon plus the 23rd pick plus future picks and try to get somebody that way uh, in order to add talent. I think they feel like it's not just a binary thing of you trade the pick or you have to trade Dame. I, but it's, you know, it's a question of, you know, does everybody else feel that way, too? You know, you talk about Cronin a little bit. I know, you know, you've talked with him. You've seen him since he's been hired. Do you get the sense this is his draft? Will he be dealing and uh, working in conjunction with Burt Cold or somebody else? What's your read on how the pick will be made? I haven't heard anything to suggest that anybody but Joe Cronin has the final call on this stuff. I will say that Burt has been at the Blazers practice facility for the last month for the Blazers draft workouts, but that's, that's not out of the ordinary. Like, especially when you have a lottery pick this high, you want everybody in the organization, whether it be someone from the ownership level like that, or Dwayne Hankins, who is the president of business operations. He's been there for a lot of that stuff. Damian Lillard actually has, you know, way of bringing him up. He was there for their Scoot Henderson workout, their Brandon Miller workout, all their other, you know, workouts with potential lottery picks. I don't think it's necessarily an indication of anything that, you know, all of the important people in the organization are there, but I have not heard anything that would make me think that it's anybody but Joe making the final call. Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, you uh, have been there for both workouts and interviews. Uh, your takeaways, if the Blazers had the, you know, their druthers, they had their pick of either one of those guys, who should they pick between those two? They'll likely just take who falls to them, but who sh- who should they want? Well, they're in the position where they kind of have that decision made for them because whatever Charlotte does, then, you know, I do, I do know that they, that in their eyes and also in the eyes of most people around the league, like there is a pretty significant gap between, you know, obviously Victor Wembanyama is in his, in his own tier. Like you take him off the board and there's no drama at all about what San Antonio is going to do at number one. But most people around the league feel that Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller roughly are equivalent level of talents and prospects. And, you know, there's maybe some GMs that prefer one over the other, other GMs that prefer one over the, the, the other one, but it's those two in a tier for most teams. And then, you know, below that you get to like the twins and Cam Whitmore and some of the other uh, prospects in the draft. So really the Blazers have a pretty easy call to make once, you know, once Charlotte does whatever Charlotte's going to do, everything I've heard right now is that they, is that Charlotte really likes Brandon Miller. But if you remember 
a year ago going into the draft, it was pretty much seen as a lock that Jabari Smith Jr. was going to go number one. And then the night before the draft, the betting lines moved suddenly, and now everybody's saying, oh, Paolo Bancaro is going to go number one. So it, you, you, it's not really settled until it's on the, you know, until they're on the clock. Certainly, if you're planning on keeping the pick while also not trading Dame and trying to still contend, you would think that Brandon Miller is a little bit of a cleaner fit positionally because Scoot Henderson is also a six foot two point guard, and obviously he's a different kind of player than Dame. Like he's not as much of like an outside shooter; he's more of an attacker, and you know, you know, he's diff- physically he's kind of a different build than Dame. So it's not as much of like a of a redundancy as like the Dame CJ stuff or the Dame Simon stuff. But it's still kind of an awkward positional fit. So uh, I think from a fit perspective, they might not be that upset if Brandon Miller is there, but also, you know, some of the teams that I've heard that want to move up, a lot of them want Scoot, so maybe you get better trade offers if Scoot is there. I don't know. It's, there's, there, there's still so many moving parts, and nothing is going to get decided one way or the other until they're actually off the clock. Sean Hyken with us, Rose Garden Report. Uh, what do they do at 23 and 43? Do they keep those picks? Do they trade those picks? Let's just assume they pick at three. What do they do with those other two picks? I think the idea is you would like, especially if you were able to get something done with the third pick as far as a trade, you would like to trade those other picks for more, you know, veteran help. I don't, I don't think they're going to come away from draft night having made zero draft picks because even if you do end up, you know, getting you know more veteran talent on the roster like they want to do around Dane, you still want to have, especially like I was saying earlier with the new CBA and how cost prohibitive a lot of the stuff is on the high ends of the roster. You want to have at least one or two guys on you know the lower end contracts and the rookie scale deals you know to be able to fill out the roster in that way i think it's probably the most if you're asking me which of the draft picks that they have i think is the most likely to be moved i think it's probably 23 because there are teams you know they think i think people view this draft as pretty deep with like good rotation players and so if you're trying to you know add veterans maybe not at the high end of the kind of stuff that you might potentially be able to get with a third pick but just kind of other you know guys who could be good contributors i think that 23rd pick is going to have some value around the league so that's i think that's the pick that if you're asking me which one i think is the most likely to be moved it's probably that one all right before i let you go rest of the roster what happens with the rest of this roster uh, Chauncey Billups doesn't seem to appreciate the talent of your uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Is Nurk gone? What happens to the rest of this team? The only guy that's completely off the table in trade talks, as far as I know, is Shaden Sharp. I think they are very, they very much whether they whether they keep building around Dame or eventually decide to rebuild and go in the other direction. That's the guy that I can say pretty confidently is not going to be traded anytime soon. I think they know that. Especially with you know if they end up getting something done with a star for you know for a star of the of the caliber that they are trying to get, I think either Simons or Nurkic is going to have to be included for salary matching purposes. So I think those two are pretty likely to be gone. I do think it's still pretty you know much decided that Jeremy Grant is going to be re-signed pretty quickly into free agency. I think Matisse Seibel, who they picked up at the trade deadline, is going to be back too. He's a restricted free agent. I would expect him to also be back whichever direction they go. Some of the other guys kind of at the end of the bench or, you know, some of the other, you know, rotation guys, I would expect that they're going to maybe look to get a little bit more experienced and, you know, have, have a little bit fewer. I think, I think in an ideal world for Joe Cronin, this is just, you know, this is, you know, totally pie in the sky. I have no idea what's realistic and what's not. I think he would love to make the third pick and keep it. 
and use other stuff to be, you know, enough to be able to make other moves and other upgrades. Yeah. And then, you know, and get, you know, more veteran, more veteran talent. And then you have two guys in Shaden Sharp and whichever of Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, they take three uh, that you are sort of your developmental project, but you don't have like five or six guys like that. Like, like they kind of had this year that did, which is why a lot of the season went sideways. So I don't know. There's a whole lot up in the air. I think everything besides Shaden Sharp is on the table as far as trying to make upgrades and, uh, you know, if I, I as of as of right now, I they are operating as though they're prepared to make the draft pick, but obviously that's you know a lot can change between now and forty eight hours from now. Yeah, I think they pick they make the pick. Hiking, make sure you hydrate and get some rest. You got a big couple of days in front of you. Thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you, man. There he is, Rose Garden Report. Sean Hiking with us. Uh, here's the Blazers' mo. Okay, um, first of all, I I've got. I've got reasonable doubt. Let's just say you're a jury. You got reasonable doubt. You know, we all understand reasonable doubt. I have reasonable doubt that Joe Cronin's making the pick. Okay, I have reasonable doubt. Bert Cold being there at all the workouts wouldn't normally alarm me, but he's got no big boss over his shoulder telling him, "Hey, Bert, you don't know basketball." And I think Bert's rather enjoying being the guy in charge. So I have reasonable doubt that Joe Cronin's acting with autonomy here. And I don't think it's fair to Joe Cronin. Like, if he's not making the pick, we should all know it. But, you know, I think Blazers' ownership is going to hold this team back like an anchor until they uh, satisfy or or rectify that situation. I, I got some thoughts on Major League Baseball to Portland coming up. Uh, you know, make no small plans. Blazers, make no small plans. You know, if you're rebuilding, get busy living. You know? Like, you know, they told us in Shawshank Redemption. Get busy living. Get busy dying pretty simple leave it here steven and i having a conversation off air that i'd like to bring on air steven you okay with this <laughs> yeah okay perfect i'm 100 okay so we're talking about the blazers management structure ownership general manager coach i am a big believer that people who have confidence in themselves uh leaders who have confidence surround themselves with smart people who will challenge their ideas in fact i was talking to somebody just over the weekend, who was an executive at Apple. And he had been in meetings with uh, Tim Cook, the uh, CEO of Apple, and says uh, the guy was just an incredible leader, wanted engineers and smart people around him to constantly be challenging uh, him and challenging his ideas and bringing new ideas to the table. And uh, I'll even go back to University of Oregon men's basketball years ago. Ernie Kent was the basketball coach, really good recruiter, really polished guy to have out front, but um, did not surround himself with great assistant coaches, uh, except for maybe um, you know, one time he had uh, a defensive assistant, uh, Fred, who was uh, on that staff that was uh, a, a fantastic defensive assistant but the minute that coach started getting attention Ernie kind of soured on him and he just never really hired great coaches around him and Mike Dunlap was a guy he brought in who was a really smart division two coach but Dunlap had a hard time working with Ernie because it it just didn't work and so I've always looked at leaders and who they surround themselves with like I like to know I like to I profess to be the dumbest guy on the show like you know we took the Mensa test years ago and I was delighted when, you know, I missed Mensa by one raw point, one question. 
Otherwise, I'm the du- I'm actually the dumbest. No, I'm the smartest guy not in Mensa. How about that? Like, I'm happy about that. But we had two other members of our staff at the time who qualified for Mensa. Like, and one was in the top 1%. And I immediately told her, I said, get out of here. You're wasting your time on this radio show. Go. Go with it. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, ultimately, you want to see leaders hire smart people. Hire good people. Hire competent people and let them go work. Let them challenge you. Let them bring great ideas to your to the room, and let it be this petri dish of of uh, creative expression and uh, excellence and challenge it. And, and what you get in those rooms, and we've all been in those rooms where it's very collaborative, and you get smart people, and they're all working well together, and you, you walk away and you go, "Wow, like that wasn't a normal meeting." And we've also been in meetings where it's uh, clear that there's an imbalance and that there's some freeloaders in the room who are just kind of skating along, not really offering anything, don't really have anything to bring to the conversation, um, you know, don't really, um, don't really sort of, uh, you know, help the room blossom, so to speak. Now, I ask you, I challenge you as a listener to this show to apply those principles maybe to your own workplace. Ask yourself, you know, if you run a meeting, for example, on a Tuesday, and you're in this, and you're in said meeting, and you know you you kind of go around, and you're getting great ideas, and everybody's challenging, and and you come away going, gosh, we made each other better, or we, or that meeting, uh, you know, really was productive because the people who were involved and engaged in it were all competent, they were all qualified, they all think for themselves. There was no groupthink going on. People were excited to bring their own ideas to the table, and and you know, and maybe. Maybe, you know, you had somebody in the room who offered an idea that changed your viewpoint, or you had somebody in the room who uh, offered you an idea that made, you know, your, made you sort of dig in more with what you believed previously and sort of affirmed the position that you were in, uh, really, uh, in, in the beginning. So I ask you to apply that to your own life, and then let's apply it to Trailblazers, Inc. Let's apply it to the management structure of the Portland Trailblazers, including ownership, trustee Jody Allen, the vice chair, Burt Cold, the coach, Chauncey Billups, and the general manager, Joe Cronin, and his staff. Okay? So you have those entities that are in the room on draft day now, and not even on draft day, in the run-up to the draft. And so here's the thing. I keep coming back to this. I feel like Joe Cronin isn't truly a general manager. Like, he's got the title general manager, but but he's got Burt Cold sitting on his shoulder, the vice chair of the team, who really doesn't know basketball. He, he, Burt Cold does not know basketball. He doesn't know it. I've had multiple general managers who have worked for the Trailblazers who have told me that guy doesn't know a damn thing about basketball, and unfortunately he's in Paul Allen's ear. Now, Paul Allen, may he rest in peace, uh, he handed the keys to the organization to Burt Cold, who is now essentially, uh, you know, involved in this decision. Now, a good leader would come into this and go, I'm going to hire the best damn GM in the world, and I'm going to let that guy go work. That's what a really good leader would do. That's If, if Burt Cold were a fantastic, inspiring leader, as the vice chair of the Trailblazers, he would acknowledge, hey, I don't know that much about basketball, but um, I want what's best for this team, so I'm going to hire a dynamite, experienced general manager. 
It's not what he did when he had an opportunity to hire a GM. What did he do? He instead hired a former intern who rose up to become general manager, Joe Cronin. And I'm left thinking about that going, wait a minute. Um, If you're a Blazer fan, do you realize that you don't really have a true GM? He's got limited autonomy. And he doesn't know basketball. And then beyond that, you got Burt not only promoting Joe Cronin, but you had Neil Olshay as one of his final acts as Trailblazers general manager of, of yesteryear. Um, hiring Chauncey Billups as the head coach, a guy who's got no previous head coaching experience. Why did he do that? Well, because bad leaders hire weak people. Bad leaders hire people who are inexperienced and not quite ready for the job. Why? Because they want to run the show without running the show. And so I believe Neil Olshay wanted some uh, wanted some input with his new head coach on who was going to get the playing time and also wanted to be able to say, hey, look, uh, it ain't me. We got a, we got a head coaching problem. Uh, again, you know, he's going to be able to he, he blame Terry Stotts. He was going to blame Chauncey Billups. And you got Burt Cold, who doesn't know basketball, promoting Joe Cronin, but not really. Because I, I fear, Stephen, I'm going to let you go now. I fear that come draft day, it's going to be Burt Cold making this decision, not Joe Cronin. And I've been critical of this, and they didn't interview anybody for the GM job. Joe Cronin just was given the job. They didn't interview anybody. And I had heard that there was uh, numerous people that were interested in the job, including really good GMs that are with other teams right now that were interested in the Blazer job. Nobody reached out to them. And that was a mistake from the start. And I said this the other week, John. I said, I think the ownership thing with Jody Allen and Burt Colt is a little overrated. And I, I still think it's a little overrated that it's overblown, that it's the end-all, be-all. But as time goes on and you just keep get pounding your head of all the mistakes that have been made over the past few seasons, I just I have no faith right now in the Portland Trailblazers making the right decision. Now, what is the right decision? I don't know exactly. I can tell you what I think is the right decision, and that's to draft a player at three. That's to go with the, with the youth movement. That's to explore trading Damian Lillard. Doesn't mean you trade him, but you got to explore it. I have no faith in any of this. It's going to happen, and I, I feel like – they're not going to be prepared, and it's going to come up and sneak up on them, and then they're going to be run into a you know into a haste decision that ends up costing the Blazers not only next season but the season after that, the season after that, and into the future. So, I, when you keep talking about you know Burt Cold making the decision for Joe Cronin, it very may very possibly happen, and that would be the worst case scenario for Blazer fans. But I want to hold I want to hold faith. I want to hold hope that it's going to happen. But man, John, as time goes on, you. Uh, you're making convincing arguments that this management well, thing is, is is worse than I actually am portraying it as. Like, I know well, it's bad. It could be worse. It, it's Here's the thing that you have to have peace with. The problem doesn't come at number three because, you know, we all know there are three really good players in this draft. There's one sensational prospect and then two really good players that, it, you know, should be top three picks. Like, the top three picks are pretty much decided. So if the Blazers stay where they are, they can't really screw it up. Like, if they were sitting in the two position, you could have a bigger concern. They're sitting in the three position. They're going to get the third player in the draft. So you have to feel good about that. The problem, though, with the big picture is, is you know, you have a vice chair of the team in Burt Cold who hired a general manager who's not ready. Okay? You have a codependent situation going on with your vice chairman who's acting like an owner and his general manager who has been promoted. And I feel bad for Joe Cronin because he is caught in a 
There's no other way to describe it. He is in a codependent relationship with his de facto owner, pseudo owner, who wants to be want to be owner. Like you look at the Blazers, and you, and I don't blame you. I've said this before. They have a want to be owner. They got a want to be general manager. They have a want to be coach. Like. How does that work? Imagine that, that important a position and not interviewing anybody. Like, that's just would, crazy yeah. to me. Would you buy stock in this company that I'm describing? You would not. Our 5 at 5 is coming up. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.